0: Good morning, dear Intriguer, and welcome to Intrigue Out Loud. On today's show, I'm joined by Intrigue co-founder John Fowler to discuss a former Pakistani prime minister's homecoming and another case of underwater sabotage in the Baltic Sea. It's all coming up.
1: Hey there, John. How are you? Uh, I'm on the mend. Uh, team knows I was a little bit, little bit yeah. crook, as we say in Australia. Last week, uh, but I'm I'm back up to about eighty percent. So feeling feeling improved. Anyway, not good, but improved. And a new lease on
0: life. I mean, how, how close were you? You know, me? I mean? Uh, a
1: slight sniffle, and I'm, I think I'm on
0: death's door. You know, <laughs> <laughs> classic. That's classic man. That's what it sounded like. <laughs> well, John, we're just delighted to have you back, and and you're you're here not a moment too soon because we've got some some big stories, and if you would bear with me here for a second, I've mapped something out. We, we we've had some great returns over the years. Uh, there was the return of the Living Dead in 1985, <laughs> c- coming up on Halloween, so I mean good time to watch that. Uh, there was the return of the Jedi two years prior. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you'll remember this one. I mean, uh, Mark Morrison, legendary uh, British R&B singer. Do not look at his controversies uh, section on Wikipedia, but uh, Mark Morrison had the return of the Mac. Uh, and now, John, over the weekend, we had the return of the Nawaz Sharif. That. Might take the cake, Ethan,
1: as your most circuitous and uh, uh, well disguised segue into a story about Pakistani politics. I, I honestly had no idea where you're going
0: with it, but yeah. Just so- wait, no, no, no. I, I cannot. I can. As far as taking circuitous paths to getting uh, into stories about Pakistani politics, I I consider myself one of the greats. One so,
1: of the greats, well, uh, the goat. Yeah. I would say. Um, I mean, it's a field of the one, goat. but they... <laughs> um, but, yes, let's, let's get down to serious business here, Ethan. People aren't listening to us talk nonsense. But, um, yeah, so <laughs> what you're referring to <laughs> is uh, – or who you're referring to, rather, is Nawaz Sharif, um, and uh, this chap is the former – three-time former – prime minister of Pakistan. He served over those three terms and non-consecutive terms. He he served a total of nine years from 1990 to 93, 97 to 99, and then more recently, 2013 to 2017. Um, he's across those three terms. He's the longest serving uh, leader in Pakistani history, actually. Um, so he went into self-imposed exile, which brief aside, that just seems to me like living abroad for a bit. I mean, I I remember like after my first year of (laughs) university, I went into self-imposed exile, uh, on beaches and mountains around the world for a year while I backpacked,
0: (laughs) but it's called self-care. Exactly. Right.
1: His was probably a little bit more serious because he was kind of booted from his leadership role, uh, by the Pakistani army and kind of disqualified for life from holding public office. So there was probably a little bit more serious than when I, when I decided to take a year (laughs) off, but, but there we are. Um, Jokes aside, he he left Pakistan in 2019, uh, following his removal from office, technically by the Supreme Court, but by you know a confluence of different forces. Um, after he was convicted on corruption charges related to the Panama Papers, folks might might remember the Panama Papers back back in those days, um, and he was, as I said, qualified, uh, disqualified for life for running for public office again, um, but. And here's where your link at the top of the show makes sense. He returned (laughs) to Pakistan this past weekend after four years away um, to honestly one of the most raucous crowd of welcomers that, that i think i've ever seen and, and we've seen
0: imran khan's crowd but this was right up return of Nawaz once again return <laughs> of oh my god so interesting uh <laughs> uh okay all right well what what explains the timing of uh, his homecoming
1: <laughs> okay you can't do me like that um timing of his homecoming um well i think there's to be honest, more than a coincidence. Um, Pakistan has their next general election in four months uh, in January, uh, and he wants to be, I think, the leader of Pakistan again.
0: Let's just put well, it that no, way. No, but you said he was disqualified from ever holding public office again. How how would that even work?
1: Yeah, the keyword is was there because his fortunes have done a ah. bit of a one eighty uh, since last year. Because, and this is. Another beautiful thing about Pakistani politics, it's his brother, Shiwaz, who is actually the prime minister now and became the prime minister, amended the law that that that, that sort of stopped his disqualification for life, prevented the courts from banning politicians from running for life, and made it five years. So a rule that was previously like uh, you're banned for life can now maximum be five years. And it just so happens that Nawaz has served five years out of public office, And what a lovely coincidence, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, In August, Shibaz, the Prime Minister, told a Pakistani TV channel that, and quoting here, as far as Nawaz Sharif is concerned, that law is in the field now under which the maximum disqualification period is five years. There's no restriction on Nawaz Sharif as he has completed his five-year disqualification. Inshallah, I am sure he will return By next month, he will face the law. The nation will receive him warmly. He will run the election (laughs) campaign and all of us will be with him. And like, that is just a real journey of a quote from (laughs) we've changed the law to like, he's going to face the law to we're going to welcome him back and he's going to lead the country. But, you know, (laughs) I think there's a couple of extra legal hurdles he's going to have to clear. But, you know, I think he's going to be pretty clearly allowed to run. For uh, uh, well, re-election in his case, really.
0: Yeah, this is. These are the words of any good little brother. Uh, If my big brother is listening, then I'm with you all the way. Uh, The whole nation is. Uh, John, do, do you like his odds? I mean, what should we know about Nawaz Sharif's three tenures as prime minister?
1: Well, I mean, you got to remember his first term started in 1990. So a ton has changed over the course of his career because that's genuinely you know 30 30 plus years ago. Um, he entered politics back then as a social and religious conservative, uh, considered I think to have some fairly authoritarian kind of tendencies during his first two terms in the 90s um, as prime minister. But then in 1999, um, after he was removed by removed from power. In a coup by uh, General Musharraf who then went on to lead Pakistan for for a long time, um, he was forced into exile in Saudi Arabia and for almost a decade, he returned to power after that experience, uh, I, would, I would say in a much more centrist kind of platform. Um, you know he tried to bring down the temperature with Pakistani's Hindu major- uh, minority uh, by recognizing things like Diwali and, and Holi as, as public holidays, obviously hind- very important Hindu. Um, days. Uh, he was generally considered a fairly solid partner by foreign leaders, I think. Um, but his most durable legacy, I think in the eyes of Pakistani voters, is that he, at least at the time, was a super competent economic manager. Uh, the economy grew pretty solidly over his th- uh, every year of his third term. Um, and he worked with the IMF um, to implement their reforms, uh, received a $6.6 billion loan in 2013. Um, and in fact, the IMF Declared Pakistan was out yeah. of the economic crisis uh, in, back in 2016, and I think that's what a lot of Pakistanis remember when they when they sort of think of Nawaz Sharif, they think of better times. Well, they, they the,
0: haven't they haven't heard my uh, they haven't heard my return of the Mac uh, redo. Well, uh, yeah, so, so you're going you're to
1: supplant economic management with that catchy, catchy tune, um, <laughs> but you're going to have to overcome a problem because his brother's premiership, uh, his current. Prime Minister has been, it's been, in, I mean, Pakistan, we've covered it here. Pakistan's been in yeah. economic meltdown for a while. Um, GDP's fallen, prices have surged. Uh, and and as we've covered, the government almost defaulted earlier this year before the
0: IMF stepped in. Right. So Shabazz's poor record could ultimately reflect on his big brother. Uh, I mean, John, you, uh, you said Nawaz was removed from power in a military coup in 1999. Whenever we've discussed Pakistan in the past, yes, we've talked about poor economic management but we've also talked about how influential the country's military is yeah. in political matters you can't really separate the two so what's what's Nawaz's current standing with the top brass
1: yeah it's a, it's like i'm going to underline that and put a pin in it it's such an important point to remember when yeah. you're thinking about Pakistani politics it's you know nothing can really happen without the approval of the military. Uh, I think we've seen that time and time and time and time and time again. Um, and in Nawaz Sharif's case, I don't think the military particularly likes him. Um, you know, Obviously, he's been removed from power in 1999 in a coup. Um, he, he fell foul of them a few times before that as well. Um, and, he, and he didn't, as we've said, complete any of his three terms. Um, uh, so in 2017, I think the army was kind of worried that his excellent economic Performance. His liberalization was potentially going to undermine their interests. Um, he was a popular, relatively popular character at the time. Um, you know. And after he, after he was sort of forced out of office and convicted on corruption, as I mentioned earlier, the army basically handpicked his successor, which was a man that uh, has become much talked about uh, on our show, the uh, <laughs> indefatigable
0: Imran Khan. Friend of the pod, Imran Khan. Well, we know by now... <laughs> That, that decision hasn't really played out well for the military. Khan, right. had, Khan is a lot of things, but he's not particularly deferential to anyone, let alone uh, uh, the army that put him in the position of power to begin with. And now Imran Khan is in prison for corruption charges and is unable to participate uh, in the election. So
1: yeah, it's a bit of a familiar story, isn't it? You know, the problem here is that even if Khan is not a threat to retake power himself, because as you mentioned, he's he's in prison. Tough to tough to run the country from there. Um, his his PTI party could still win the election because he is by far the most popular politician in the country. So he's still a threat in in the hearts and minds of you know the Pakistani people. Um, and so the military is faced with this decision or this conundrum, as it were. They need a, they need an alternative to Khan's party there isn't a ready-made one um at the moment and I think that's why probably fair to say that's why no uh Nawaz Sharif has been allowed to come back because he's popular enough uh but the military maybe feels like they can work with him um you know you know what they say about the the enemy you know
0: Today's show is sponsored by Drizzly. Drizzly is the largest online marketplace for alcohol in North America with over 100 million customers, and they're there for life's most important moments and the people that create them. Drizzly partners with thousands of retailers in more than 1,400 cities to empower them to grow their businesses and make the good times even better. Save $5 on your first order when you click the link in the show notes. All right, welcome back. So, John, uh, we've had some... Shenanigans is is the word I would use. Uh, shenanigans playing out in the Baltic Sea over the past few weeks. Yeah, I like that word. Um, it's fair to say shenanigans. <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> to, to put a little bit more meat on that bone, I think we've had a couple of different things happen. Uh, first, there was damage to an EU-funded undersea gas pipeline um, which called the Baltic Connector. Uh, between Finland and Estonia back on the 8th of October. Um, That made the news. Folks might have read about it in the news. um, It forced officials to shut down gas flows between uh, Finland and Estonia, and repairs will take a while. I think they were saying about five months, so pretty serious um, damage. Uh, There's also damage to a nearby telecoms cable, which links Estonia and Finland. 2 days later that happened after after the the gas pipeline was damaged and there's partial damage to a telecoms cable linking Estonia and Sweden as well so poor old Estonia is being copping the brunt of this but yeah a bunch a bunch of undersea cables were were damaged is the tldr
0: right. well we've talked about the vulnerabilities of undersea infrastructure like pipelines and communications cables it feels like a lifetime ago but we have to you know not forget the explosions at the Nord Stream 1 and 2 pipelines yeah. that link russia and germany that happened last september the question is we still don't know who did it uh i mean are, are we getting any answers from that yeah I, I think that's right i'm being
1: passive being careful because uh we don't have any answers on who did the nord stream who done the nord stream um <laughs> it's like we make a make a fairly boring agatha christie novel but anyway um and I, look, I think we won't probably have any answers on that for a long time. Some spy agencies may know, uh, but we, we, we at Intrigue certainly don't. Um, but in this, in this case, uh, the Estonian and Finnish officials have both suggested that the damage was caused by external activity from a state actor. Again, vague, um, deliberately vague, but uh, I think meant to kind of remind us that they do suspect sabotage without going too far and, and sort of, you know, causing diplomatic uh, problems. Now, we're left to kind of speculate, and the first suspect would obviously be Russia in this situation. Um, they've promised to implement countermeasures when when Finland joined NATO back in April, um, and they promised the same if Sweden was to join NATO, and, and that obviously looks more and more likely um, after... President Erdogan in Turkey ratified Sweden's bid yesterday um, and sent it to Turkey's parliament for approval. So it looks like Sweden's joining NATO, which you know would give Russia another reason to kind of retaliate. Um, but we got a bit of a twist in the plot late last week. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this would make a great mystery thriller. Um, the Finnish <laughs> Investigations Bureau said that uh, they were investigating a, a Hong Kong-flagged ship called the New New Polar Bear. Which what a name! What Love a name. Um, yeah. uh, and actually, if you look up a photo of this ship, the, the name New New Polar Bear is literally just taped on with masking tape. It, it's it's a real it's a real <laughs> backyard job. Um, but anyway, this ship was in the area of both incidents at the time of the incidents. Um, and a Sunday's foreign ministry said that uh, it has called on its Chinese counterparts to provide it with more information. Um, obviously, China has totally denied its involvement, uh, but it's called for an investigation into the incidents
0: as well. If you think that looks bad, wait till you see the, the old, old, polar bear uh, John <laughs> China's China is awfully far away from the Baltic Sea uh, on what grounds would they do something like this
1: yeah it's a good point and I think it it's honestly pretty unlikely that they would if I'm if I'm being honest um, but this Hong Kong flag container ship was actually en route from the Baltic Sea to China uh, to establish this regular container liner service which is utilizing Russia's northern sea route and that's that's the kind of new route that's opened up in recent years that you can get from Asia to Europe by going north, um, and I think they were trying to, you know, explore that route for container vessels um, going forward. Um, now, of course, the fact that it is a container ship doing something that seems so innocuous uh, uh, innocuous um, mm. that kind of makes it perhaps a good foil for this type of sabotage. Um, you know, tons of plausible deniability, just a container ship. It's also not Russia, so Russia can say, hey, it wasn't us. Um, and let's not forget how closely China and Russia work together with their no-limits uh, partnership. So, you know, speculation, but there it is. The perfect crime.
0: Agatha, where are you when we need you?
1: <laughs> it's probably more more like a Nordic noir, like the the killing or the bridge or something like that. But, yeah, I think,
0: I think there's something there. There's something here. All right, we'll, we'll talk offline. Uh, I was at an event the other day at the Atlantic Council featuring, great timing, Estonia's foreign minister, Markus sakna Uh, And he got a question about this incident and how his country would seek to respond if and when it discovers the culprit. So let's listen to what he said. Uh,
1: What I think that we'll see in the near future is more visible participation from the NATO side as well as the deterrence uh, movements. Uh, But I'm, I'm absolutely sure that if there is a need to act, then NATO can act. We have these capabilities ready. We have plans ready. But uh, we don't have to use this momentum just to increase some kind of, uh, you know, the panic or whatever. Let's be sure. But uh, I'm I'm very solid position that uh, we can act if there is a need for that.
0: So he suggested that the response could actually come from NATO in this case. Uh, what would that look like?
1: Yeah, interesting comments, I thought, when when we heard that. Um, and I think the phrase, can act if, if there is a need to act, is is both vague enough and threatening enough to, to get his message across. Uh, the perfect mix. We do know that <laughs> NATO has already stepped up its patrols of the Baltic. Um, as of last Thursday, I think they're using mine-sweeping boats and air reconnaissance to kind of monitor the area. Um, but another, and I think altogether more drastic thing that we heard recommended by the uh, the president of Latvia which of course is is another baltic nation is that nato should shut down baltic access for russian vessels if moscow is is found to be involved in this latest sabotage now that is a giant can of worms to be opening in diplomatic Senses because the Baltic is just so, so important to Russia for, I mean, for lots of reasons, but the biggest reason being that the exclave of Kaliningrad, which sits between Lithuania and Germany and is entirely cut off via land to Russia, the Baltic Sea is how Russia does a lot of its supply of the exclave. Um, And it's home to a massive Naval fleet and potentially nuclear weapons. We don't know, but Putin's kind of said that. So, this is this really, really strategically important exclave in the middle of Europe that, if you prevented Russian ships in the Baltic, would be cut off and that would become a real national security threat to Russia. Pretty hard to imagine that NATO could pull something like closing the Baltic to Russian shipping. Off, um, without you know, risking huge escalation, because as I say, it's so important to Russia. But I think what we will see, at the very least, is that NATO is taking a lot more interest in what goes on in the Baltic, and and probably will be surveilling it with uh, much keener eyes from now
0: on. Uh, we've talked a lot about escalation risks, and and this is just the, another place to monitor now. So thanks, John. Thanks, Ethan. And that's going to do it for me. By the way, if you love Intrigue, we would just be thrilled over the moon if you could share it with a friend. But if that's not a good enough selling point, we've got all sorts of cool prizes you can win by telling people about us, up to and including some fancy luggage. Check out the International Intrigue newsletter to see how to win it. In the meantime, I'm Ethan Plotkin. See you on Friday.